Home is a proud member of the Boing Boing Podcast Network. For more great shows like Gweek, You Are Not So Smart, and Futility Closet, visit boingboingpodcasts.com. Oh, yeah, we want, I wanted to do all kinds of things that I couldn't do. I wanted to put a foosball table in one store, for example, because I had seen a foosball table in a coffee shop in Hong Kong, and people loved it, and I wanted to do it. They wouldn't let me do it. I wanted to put a piano in one store, and it didn't work out. Suppose you wanted to construct, from the ground up, a home away from home, or if not a home, at least a place that felt homelike in some respects. What would you put in? What would you leave out? Would you make it comfortable? Suppose it had to turn a profit. You wouldn't want to make it too comfortable. What about chairs? How big should they be? How wide? How soft? Of course, you have to think about tables and Wi-Fi and restrooms. A space that feels casually homey is often the calculated end result of a million tiny decisions. This week, one designer's story about taking lessons learned on the biggest stage and then going small. This is Home, Stories from L.A. I'm Bill Barol. If you walk into Love Coffee Bar, a cozy little place in the Sunset Park neighborhood of Santa Monica, you can get good coffee, of course, and baked goods. And something else thrown in. 20 years' experience in how people relate to retail spaces. From Cambiz Hamadi, who was, from 2009 to 2011, in charge of store design all over the world for a little company called Starbucks. I grew up in boarding school in Switzerland mainly for 12 years. Um, I was born in Iran. I, um, my parents traveled a lot, so uh, they left me in boarding school. Uh, so I lived about five years in Iran. I lived the rest of it in Switzerland, and I came to the U.S. to go to design school. Since I was a kid, I wanted to be a designer, an architect. And uh, when I graduated from architecture school in L.A., I realized that I'm not really into big architecture, big buildings, big you know, bridges, hospitals, that kind of thing. But I was more into creating smaller environments, creating, you know, and creating environments for people to interact with. Um, so I, I got into retail design. Um, and I got into retail by sort of accident because I had friends that were in fashion in New York. And so I started to design retail stores and, and realized that retail stores are a perfect venue for what I like to do. Um, because when you design, um, um, let's say, residential, you're designing for a very limited amount of people. Um, but when you're designing retail, you have a lot of people coming in and out, you have a lot of people experiencing the space, and it's constantly changing, and there's a whole science to how people shop, how people experience the space. It's, it's a multitude of details that make a space. So, and that really interested me. Cambys landed at Starbucks just after CEO Howard Schultz returned to the company, bringing a mandate to reimagine how the stores presented themselves to their communities. And there was a big will from Howard's part to just change the look and feel of the stores. Um, there was a big push for um, uh, doing green architecture, for being LEED certified, for saving money, saving you know water, saving energy. So there was a lot of that, but also the idea to that in his mind, Starbucks had become too much of 
the cookie cutter type of space. So instead of doing that, we the idea was to make the spaces more part of the community, make them all unique in their own way. Um, so even though they had the DNA of Starbucks, but at the same time they wanted each one to have local, you know, connections to the local community. So there was a lot of that going on at the time. So it was a great time, and we formed a new team. Um, and we did a lot of experimentation, and we did about 12 prototypes at the time, and then all the uh, work that we did at the time was the groundwork for all the renovations moving forward globally. Growing up in Switzerland, Cambis had spent a lot of time hanging out in cafes and coffee shops. They were, he realized, more than places where people can get coffee. They can be places where the bumpy landscape of class and social status is leveled. Well, yeah, the cafe, I mean, if you think about the cafe, originally the coffee shop, really, uh, the notion of coffee shop, the modern coffee shop really started in England. And, uh, and the reason was that it was a place where actually anybody from any social strata could come and meet and they were treated equally. So there was a place where people could come meet their friends, people could come and relax, um, people could get away. It was a, really a place between home and work. And, um, and that idea that you could, there would be one place where people would be treated equally was a very new notion that did not happen before in Europe or anywhere else in the world. And, and so um, now going back to now, I mean, I think in Europe it's still the same. The idea that you can go to a cafe, you can get in Paris and you can have a coffee, it doesn't really matter how rich you are, how you know, old or young, or you're treated the same, you have the same amount of space, you have the same experience. So there's something about, you know, to me, it's something about democracy in, in a small scale at, at the level of the coffee shop. Um, and I always liked that. And I think that that didn't really exist in the U.S. before. And I think that one of the great things about Starbucks is that Starbucks really brought that um, to the U.S. on a grander scale. Uh, the idea that you can go to a Starbucks and depending, it doesn't matter who you are, how rich you are, which ethnicity you are, you always get treated the same. And uh, we don't have that much of that because typically if you go to a restaurant or go to bars or because of the prices or because of the neighborhoods, there's a certain amount of, of separation, let's say, socially. I don't know if you caught it, but there was something buried in there. Um, people could get away. It was a, really a place between home and work. In 1989, a sociologist named Ray Oldenburg published The Great Good Place. It was enormously influential. Oldenburg argued that there were, or could be in our communities, what he called third places in addition to home and work. Places that weren't either, but had elements of both. A third place, alternately called a third space, might be, as Oldenburg put it in the subtitle to The Great Good Place, a cafe, a coffee shop, a bookstore, a bar, a hair salon. These places, he said, energize and unite their communities by fostering social interaction. Cambies learned a lot at Starbucks. He learned about how Starbucks stores are used differently all over the world. In some places, people go there on dates, in others to grab a quick drink. In still others, unaccompanied women hang out there because they feel safe. He learned about how to lay out a store for maximum efficiency. Take a piece of equipment and move it six inches to the left and you save five seconds per transaction. And in a place where there may be hundreds of transactions a day, that adds up to real time and serious money. 
Starbucks is a big business, after all. But he was already thinking about the things he couldn't do there precisely because it's so big. It was a natural evolution a few years after he left the company to start thinking about a place of his own where he could try out some of his own ideas for a smaller, more intimate kind of gathering space. A third place. In a, in a strange way, because Starbucks is such a big company, a lot of ideas that I wanted to implement at Starbucks and I couldn't because of the scale, I could do here. So here we have the luxury because we're smaller, you know, too, um, even for our baked goods, for our coffee, for our, you know, even the way we operate, it's easier for us because we don't have that many people coming through. So we can um, afford to be, you know, more, um, to explore more, to, to have more fun. He'd settled in L.A. by 2014. He was a principal in a design firm. And he had a notion for a casual, comfortable place where he could meet clients out of the office and where, of course, people in his new community of Santa Monica could feel at home. I have to tell you, I just looked online, and the next day I found this place. Yeah, so I came here, and I looked at a couple of other places that same day. But, but I came here, and I really liked the street. I liked the neighborhood. It was close to my place. I, I thought it had a small um, community feel. It has a small town feel. Um, so, and then I met the owners, and they were great. And we just, from the beginning, just you know, hit it off. And, uh, and they've been fantastic, very supportive. So, so yeah, I, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> it had been a plumber's office for many years. Its exposure to the street was nothing special. But it had something unusual in a retail space, something that resonated with Cambys's growing desire to make a space that reflected the beachy ambiance of its community. The space itself was kind of a mess. It wasn't really, I mean, I kind of, kind of imagined the space without the two walls that were dividing the space. And, you know, the space is a pretty simple, fairly simple rectangle. What I liked about it really is the outside, it's the sidewalk, it's the street itself, and I like the backyard. And uh, from the get-go, the conversation was that I was going to get some space in the back so I could have some t- tables and chairs outside. So, and those kind of places are hard to come by. And I felt that that was great, it being in L.A., having outdoor space, um, both having being able to have a, a bench outside and have tables on the other side in the backyard was great. So really, for me, was really then at that point was thinking, well, can I actually fit all the things I want in here and, and how I would design it? And, and, and because it's a small space, the idea was from the get-go was to keep it super simple because the more you add, the more it becomes smaller and less efficient. So the simplest, I felt, was the be- best uh, design for the space. I met Cambys at the coffee shop one day in December, and I asked him to walk me through the thinking that went into the place, from the street entrance all the way out to the backyard, and to help me understand what went into making it feel like home. First, it needed to be welcoming, literally and figuratively. Well, you know, for example, we keep always the door open because it's, I think it's more welcoming than having the door closed. Um, I wanted the, com- the uh, place to be very um, accessible and relaxed. I didn't want it to be like your coffee shop with the, the vest and the you know, goatee and the beret and, and those kind of things, right? I wanted the place to be a, more a California coffee shop. But California coffee shop to me and being in Santa Monica meant that we have really good coffee. We have the best coffee, the best equipment and everything, but we're not snobby about it. If you want to find out about the coffee, we'll tell you. But if you don't care, we won't. 
and and we treat everybody the same and you know so that's we, it's a some of the new third wave coffee shops I feel are a little bit um, they've become a little bit snobby people, there's a turn off of people people don't like it because it's too much uh, too serious too too uh, uh, coffee I don't know how to explain it so we didn't want to be that way. We wanted to be more relaxed. We wanted to be more beachy. We wanted to, you know, and that I think is also part of what makes the place more successful. But people don't feel like they're going to come here and somebody's going to mistreat them because they don't know enough about coffee or they, you know. Okay. So you walk in off the street and by the way, the other thing is that we allow also dogs because we feel that dogs are part of the community here. I had dogs my partner has dogs we we figured that we um so that's something that we do which is different from the other coffee shops so i don't know if that is part of that but we let we allow people to bring dogs in which is makes it a little bit unique so you and your dog walk in then what typically um and this is something that um starbucks started and i think it's uh, very important is that the, the very big difference between the starbucks um, and a, an american coffee shop of the new types of coffee shop let's say the third wave versus um, the traditional italian coffee shop is that um, is the relationship between the barista and uh, the customers right so in italy or in france when you go to the bar and you order a coffee the person at the bar turns their back and makes the coffee because the coffee machine is on the back counter right um, this is something that Starbucks started Howard should started the idea that you put the machine on the front counter and then when the barista is making the coffee they're facing you so they're not turning their back on you so then you have an opportunity for a conversation of course at Starbucks it becomes difficult because you have so many people and so many drinks and so many I'm always amazed at how many drinks those guys make uh, you know, per hour, but the idea is that, um, so that is an important component of what we have and we started in the US and they did not in, in Europe. So for us, coming through the door, the, the most important thing was that you were gonna see the machine. So the machine is facing the door. So then even on your, when you're outside, even when you come through the door, you know that this is, place is about coffee you see the machine right away. And then when you come in, I have the machine on the side, and then when you talk to the uh, barista, when you order, you can see them making your drink, which is also very important because um, a drink is very, it's handcrafted, and you wanna be, it's part of the experience. Um, you don't want somebody to go in the back and make a drink and come back. It's, you want them, you wanna be able to see the attention and the effort that goes into making the drink and, and seeing and being made is part of the theater of, of coffee making, right? So that's how we uh, put the machine. That's how it's, you know, sort of oriented. Um, you can see, you come in, you see the machine first. You come in, the barista greets you because the barista is facing the door. And then you come in, you, you say the drink that you want. And then sideways, you can see that person making the drink for you which is very different from a European experience. Okay, now you've got your coffee. Now what? Inside or out? Planning the space, the idea was that when you stand at the bar, at the counter and you're ordering your coffee or getting your coffee, you can see outside. So having the glass door and being able to see out and knowing that there is a space. So, you know, on your you know, left, you see the backyard. On your right, you see the street. So you have a connection between the street and the backyard. I think that's very important. 
you look at a city like Seattle or a city like LA, in Seattle there are more restaurants with outdoor spaces than in LA, which is very strange. You look at like buildings like the Beverly Center, which completely turned their back on, on, on LA. It's, it's amazing. Um, but I think that was the 70s and the 80s. I think now we have a better appreciation for what we have, which, you know, I mean, look at this weather for, you know, December, right? And, and I th so that's why you see, for example, Caruso, the, the Grove, or you see some of the malls. All the new malls are having now are outside. They're opening up the malls because, you know, we have a great weather. So I think you're going to see more and more a trend in L.A. of having outdoor spaces, coffee shops, cafes, restaurants, people sitting outside. So you find a seat. You want to be comfortable there. And Cambys wants you to be comfortable there, too. Up to a point. You have to think about all those things. So um, if your store is in a place, for example, that is, um, let's say it's near a college, you get college students. So then you, you have to plan for the type of seating for college students. If it's a place where people are shopping in a mall, it's different. If you, you know, so depending on your customers, if you're a good designer, then you start to think about the type of seating you want. Um, in my case here, um, the city of Santa Monica doesn't allow us to have more than 20 seats. So because of the zoning, so we are a small operation and we have a limited amount of seating. So from the beginning, I didn't want the seating to be too comfortable. The idea was that you couldn't have people come here and sit for hours and hours. We wanted people to come in, enjoy themselves, maybe sit for a while, but then walk away. So, so that's really a lot of the furniture that you see. That's the idea. I mean, yes, we could have couches and things like this, but that wasn't the point. Um, the point was so that's why you have you know plywood chairs and you have you know things that are more hard surfaced. You have to think about like I did a, a Starbucks in Times Square um, that it's the flagship in New York um, Starbucks and it's right under the Morgan Stanley Building. It's the last project I did there for them, and uh, we I think there is like maybe five stools. I mean we have no and it's it's a giant store but it has no seating because it's so busy. And it isn't just the kind of chairs you have. The seat, seat sizes also are very important. Like in the past at Starbucks, um, they used to make this uh, green velvet chair, was, which was huge. It was comfortable, but it was huge. But it was taking too much space, and you could only sit one person. So what we then did later is that we did the same seat. We made it smaller so you could have more seats in the space. But also we took out the arms. By taking out the arms, if the space is busy and you come with your girlfriend or whatever, you can actually both of you share a chair, which is very different. Or people in Asia shared chairs because there was more people, you know, and, uh, they, and the, the notion of privacy is a little bit uh, different in Asia. You, you know, because there's so many people, they're used to having people next to each other. In the U.S., we want space between each people. You need to think, too, about what people are going to do once they're seated. You need to think about who's going to go there, how are they going to use the space. Sometimes people go with a laptop and they want to be alone and they want to work. Sometimes people go there to watch people. So you have to have seating in a way that is people can sit and do people watching. Sometimes people go in groups and they want to hang in together and they want to have you know, chairs. Or... So all of those things are really a science, and I learned a lot of that when I was at Starbucks. It really is, makes a huge difference what seating you use in a space. If it's low, if it's high, right? Sometimes, you know, people I see in restaurants, people design low seats and then you're sitting low and then you have people behind you and you're sort of like at the level of, you know, the <laughs> which is not attractive. So, you know, you have to, if you have a lot of people, you have to be higher. 
So there's a lot of that that, um, that I think a good designer would know how to handle. So you want to have some areas that are loungy, you want to have some areas. Um, I wanted to do, originally I wanted to do a counter at the window facing out because when sometimes I go to a coffee shop, I like to get a quick coffee and, and stand and look out onto the sidewalk. Like I used to do that in New York a lot and you just see people walking by, which is great people watching. Um, but, uh, you know, because of the sort of architecture of the space, I couldn't do it. That sense of hominess he was after, of welcome, it isn't entirely about design. Cambys thought about fidelity cards. You know, buy 10 drinks, get one free, that sort of thing. He decided on an alternative that's functionally simpler, no cards required, and has a nice little element of serendipity. We decided instead of doing that is to, to actually not do that, but actually give away drinks every once in a while to some of the regulars as a surprise. And actually, it's, it works much better because there is sort of unexpected, as opposed to carrying that thing in your pocket and expecting something. And he thought a lot, he's still thinking, about Internet connectivity. It's almost a requirement in a coffee shop, but Cambys has reservations. It's a work in progress. You know, it's, um, I struggled with it a little bit. I didn't know at the beginning, should we have internet, should we not have it, should we offer Wi-Fi? We decided to do it because, um, you know, we're not that, you know, there's certain hours that are not that busy and we felt that, you know, it's a service that we should provide. People are asking for it. Um, but do I like it? Not necessarily. I don't like to go in a coffee shop where everybody's just staring at the at at screen. It's, it's sort of take away from the romantic notion of the coffee shop. But I think it's, you know, it's today's world. I'm, I'm okay with it uh, to a certain point. I think we're okay right now with the space we have. And, uh, but if it gets to a point where people are here very long and they're at the computer and, uh, you know, they're taking too much space and, and then we lose that sort of coffee shop romantic idea, we may then want to look at limiting the amount of time uh, people can spend on the Wi-Fi. But we're not there yet. After all, isn't the point of a coffee shop that it isn't really about the coffee? It's about breaking the habit of being solitary, about having an alternative to the narrow outlook you get in the office and the home. A place that's like the home, but not of it. A lot of our customers have their own sound studio at home or they work at home. In this neighborhood, we have a lot of musicians, artists, writers, that, that type of people. And a lot of them work at home. And when you work at home, there's a point where you need some sort of human interaction or you need some sort of noise or you need to see other people or to take a break, basically. And we have a lot of that happening here, where people come here to take a break from their work. Um, we have architects that come here also, that are, you know, uh, just at the, on 18th Street. And um, I like that idea, too, that you know, people come here you know, actually to get away from the computer, get away from whatever they're doing. I think the other notion is as we spend more and more and more time on the computer, on our own, on social media, there's a point where it's not enough. I think you need, again, to see real people and talk with real people and have real experiences. Um, so, and I think Howard Schultz said that too, that he's lucky that you can't really drink coffee from the internet. So, you know, 